Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Welcome, welcome. My goodness. Obviously, those of you who've been tuning into my show religiously since I came on the air last year, 2017, uh, have realized that because of scheduling and because of travel and because of different obstacles that were thrown in my personal way, we have uh, rerun a couple of former broadcasts, and I hope that didn't scare you away. We uh, decided to replay some of our most popular shows, but we're back in action live from the mountains of Salt Lake City, Utah. I just welcome you so, so much from the bottom of my heart. Again, just to reiterate, because we're in the month of January, and because this is the Influencers Channel, the idea of the format has always been to invite influencers from every aspect and walk of life, from every industry, from every career career field you can imagine, to join me on the air and allow me to ask them provocative questions and get their take on how they're using their platform, or more importantly, how they dreamed a mighty dream, worked hard to make that dream come true, use the six degrees of separation to figure out who they needed to meet that could take them to the next level, that would give them an opportunity to showcase their talents, and then most importantly, how they've used this success and turned it into significance by influencing the world and changing the world one day, one product, one service, one song at a time. So as we engage in this very first show, live show of 2018, I want to just ask you a question. If you could, if you knew that you could dream a mighty dream and knew that that dream, no matter what would come true, what would it be? And to help crystallize your thinking, what would the reason be behind you dreaming that mighty dream? Would it be to make a lot of money? Well, we all know money's not a motivator because if we think it is, eventually we'll run out of money. We'll never have enough and we'll definitely die with our music still in us because as they say, how much money can Warren Buffett take with him when he dies? (laughs) Absolutely none of it. We're in the same boat as Warren Buffett, as Sir Richard Branson, as some of the wealthiest people on our planet. They can take with them the exact same amount of money that we can take with us when we die. So it's what we do with our money while we're alive and the legacy that we create, knowing that the goal is not to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. So as we engage in this show, those of you who have tuned in, and I appreciate your loyalty, and I can't wait to engage with you in this coming year, I want you to know that the old format is back. We've reversed the order a little bit today where I always will have a Grammy award-winning songwriter because of the influence music has in our lives and how through music we understand how to trigger more passion, creativity, and imagination. And I'll also have 
you know, entrepreneurs and individuals, inspirational individuals who have overcome obstacles to rise above those obstacles and become inspiring individuals in all of our lives. So having said that, let me just reiterate that every single song ever written in any language, in any genre, was written with the same 12 notes. There are only 12 notes in music. The only difference between one song and another song is the order in which those 12 notes fall and the timing and spacing in between the notes. I bring that up because the question of the day is, what's the difference between a hit songwriter and a lousy songwriter? They have access to the same 12 notes. What's the difference between a great entrepreneur and an average or or, or, or lousy entrepreneur? The answer is the same. They have access to the same interest rates, the same economy, and the same knowledge that it, there's no such thing as a financial crisis, only an idea crisis. Ideas create income. The answer is passion, creativity, and imagination. The difference between an awesome hit songwriter and an average wannabe songwriter and an extraordinary entrepreneur and an average lousy entrepreneur is passion, creativity, and imagination. And this means that success and significance have absolutely nothing to do with our age, our gender, or anything else. How do we know this? Some of the greatest songs ever written were written by young men and young women. Why? They have access to the same 12 notes that we old folks do. So my first guest is a young man who has made it big and continuously makes it big because he understands a fundamental truth of entrepreneurship, of the free enterprise system, and, a, and guaranteed the fundamental truth, truth of how to turn our success into significance, which is wealth flows through you, not to you. You can get anything in this life that you want if you're just willing to help enough other people get what they want. So our first guest, a young man, entrepreneur, CEO of D2D, host of D2D Con, author of ABCs, the ABCs of Closing, and founder of the D2D University, which is a door-to-door sales training and consulting platform. His name is Sam Taggart, and if you haven't heard that name, you soon will. He'll be featured in the in multiple magazines as one of the up-and-coming superstar entrepreneurs of the century. Sam was born right here in Park City, Utah, and was raised in a family of salesmen and entrepreneurs at age seven. You would find Sam selling golf balls at the local course. Obviously, he found some of my balls. I lose balls in the ball washer. I'm not that good of a golfer. Age 11, he started selling magazines door-to-door. Age 13 to 18, he started door-to-door co- his door-to-door company called the, the Gutterman, managing over 11 employees painting the addresses on the curbs. It's funny. I wrote that up in one of my books. That's what I did back in the day as well. He grossed over $100,000 in sales through high school. At age 18, he entered into the alarm sales door-to-door enterprise and became one of the best alarm reps in the industry. In 2014, Sam Taggart finished number one for the year at Vivint, which is one of the leading companies of door-to-door sales professionals in the entire world. He was ranked. He finished number one for the year 
out of over 3,000 active sales reps. In 2016, Sam became vice president of direct sales in the solar industry and has successfully built teams and managed millions of dollars in revenue per month. He's a master salesman. He understands how to turn recruiting into attraction, and he's obviously a leader, so don't let his young, beautiful face and his uh, gorgeous long hair and his youth <laughs> fool you. My gosh, he inspires me as a 60-year-old man. Sam Taggart, welcome to my show, brother. Thanks, Dan. Excited to be on it. That was awesome. Thank you for the introduction. No, you're wonderful. Just let your dad listen to it so he knows that you really are all that in a bag of chips, man. I love it. I love it. No, and it so was fun uh, jamming, jamming with you the other day. Let's dive into this. Funny. For those of you who have uh, followed Facebook Live, I've gotten a lot of responses from you visiting my home and together going on kind of a, a nickel-dime tour of uh, what fires me up. Anyway. Yeah, Sam, I think I, it, but anybody, like for real though, go on Dan's Facebook page and watch that. It was incredible to have an inside scoop on his what's significant in his life and how he's decorated his office, his walls, the people he's met. And I think it was really impactful. So anybody that wants to, go watch it. It's on his Facebook and uh, he he did an amazing job. It was a really unique perspective into his own life and history. So feel free to crazy. yeah go you're, go go give Dan some love. So nice. Yeah, you're funny. I know you're busy and you're just you're buried today. So I appreciate you blocking off some time for my show. Let's just get right into it. As you and I talked the other day in my home for a few hours, the thing that struck me the most, Sam, was your awareness of the principles of success and the laws of significance that we actually need to master in order to become the best we can possibly be as family men, as businessmen, as community activists, as charitable philanthropists. And the thing that intrigued me the most about our conversation was, yeah, you've been so successful as an entrepreneur, extremely successful, knocking doors, door to door, selling things. But what we talked about were the principles of success, the the qualities, the character traits that you actually learned in the process of knocking door-to-doors that I think would be so valuable for you to share with our listeners. Talk to me about all the, 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 the life lessons that you learn as a result of being this entrepreneur focused on door-to-door sales. Yeah, I mean, I think... Mark Cuban puts it best. I mean, I was watching a Shark Tank and, you know, or some, I was watching an interview or something like that, but he said, he's like, I would hire anybody that has done door-to-door well over a lot of people that have, have their degree or have some paper or whatever because the simple principle that it, it teaches people. And I think it's a undervalued or it's an under accepted or it, I just feel like we don't, we don't train enough on grit and it's, it's just the principle of hard work. And I don't think a lot of people realize how hard door-to-door is until they've done it consecutively for an extended period of time. And, you know, some people are like, yeah, I've knocked a few doors. I'm not, I'm not talking, hey, I talked to 10 people. I'm talking like you spent a month or, or a summer or years doing it. Uh, and it's the principle of just grit because people don't realize how rude some people are when you go disrupt their dinner and you go say, hey, I'm here to earn your business. And they spit on you or they call the cops or they, you know, they, whatever they do and they react in such a sometimes distasteful way. And it's like, that's life. And I think too often we baby our 
kids and, you know, I have two daughters and, and I, and I, and I always try to remind myself, like, how am I going to teach them grit as they are raised? And my, my parents, luckily my dad was, I love my dad to death. He taught me that principle. And it was every Saturday we were in the fricking garden and we lived where we had three acres and it was weeding for like all Saturday. And it was like, can we go play? No, you got to go weed. And I was like, okay, I want a cell phone. Well, you can go buy one. I want a car. Great. You got two legs. Like, and it was just a principle that was always kind of ingrained in me. And I think this generation, people are almost looked down upon when they, when they don't teach their kids and like, we don't really like appreciate the, the grit and the work ethic that really is needed. It's such a, such a commodity these days to find people that are actually hard hustling grinders that can go be successful because they think like, Oh, you know what I mean? I think most entrepreneurs, it's like, I want to just set up some random automated funnel thing and then go live in Hawaii and make millions of dollars. Like, I think people have this weird perception these days that that's success. Like, I I totally agree. So the principle that I hear you talking about is to understand how how attitude really does make the difference. When your attitude's right, your abilities will always catch up. So when you're knocking door yeah. to doors, you're facing rejection. How how do you school yourself so that you can you can separate the person from the performance? So that you know when they slam the door, spit on you, or do something distasteful, as you said, that you don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you as a human being. They're rejecting your product or service. Yeah. How, Teach no, us I, how to get your mind right so that that rejection doesn't get you down and you get back up and go knock on another door. Yeah, and I think that's like, you know, that the, separates the boys from the men in this job is the ability to get back up and deal with that and process it. And, and for me, it's taken years of practicing presence and just separating. It's, it's the ability to say, this is them saying no to the fact that they don't like being sold and they don't know me, but if they knew me and if they got to know who Sam was, they would love me and everyone would love me. And that is the attitude I have when I go knock. And so when people are yelling and it's no, 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 I don't carry the nose. You know, a lot of people, what they do in life is they, they carry the nose. They put another rock in their bag and their backpack gets heavier and heavier every door they go to. And the doors is a, is a metaphor in life, right? It's, we're always selling. We're always trying to earn people's business. We're always trying to, you know, convince or, or, or whatever, persuade and, and move the needle, right? So it's kind of like, are you carrying your rock? And, and, and really the no's aren't you. It's, it's, I've just, when people tell me no, I always just end with a win. I'm like, that's cool. High five. See you later. Like, I ride a scooter door to door. Like, hey, that's funny. Like, I'll tell you a joke anyway, because you don't know who I am. Like, that, that, you're not saying no to me. You're saying no to the fact that you don't want to buy something right now. And I respect that. And I move on, you know? And a lot of people get held up on, like, I could tell you story after story of, like, you know, just from the doctor that's like, your job isn't even a real job. And you probably are from, like, prison and have this background. You know what I mean? And just they say the nastiest thing. And I just, I have to smile and be like, you don't know me. Like, I, I love my life. I'm happy as a clam. We'll see you later. <laughs> you know, and then move on to the next house. And if I brought that guy's attitude onto the next house, there's no way I would sell the next house. And it's just the, it's the separation and it's practicing presence and just power, like 
empowering yourself to be completely um, secure that no matter what the bullies say, then you just keep fighting. So let's just talk for a minute. So what an extraordinary success principle attitude that you've learned as a result of, of door-to-door sales and as a result of the way you've been raised by your amazing dad and mom. Well, in a world where uh, a couple of generations now have gone through the mentality that everybody deserves a trophy, that you get awarded the same as the winner if you're just a participant. Don't get me on that. Don't get me on this. Don't get me started. But here's my question, brother, as we go to break. I want you to think about the answer to this, and I want all of our listeners to ask themselves, ask yourselves, how can we learn these this this amazing attitude how can we cultivate this approach to life that if you get knocked down seven times you get back up eight that the reality is there are there's one job opportunity nine applicants who's going to get the job not everybody's going to get a trophy that's the real world in which we live so here's what i want you to i I want you to think about this as we go to break how could you as a dad how could we as friends, how can you as a, as, a, as a businessman, how can we as parents teach our associates, teach our sales professionals, teach our children what you've learned through door-to-door sales without having to knock on doors? Are there other ways for us to understand what you've learned as a young man? So think about that. Yeah, I, I want all of your, all of us uh, to to tune in. I got to go to a break right now, buddy. But stay tuned. We're on the uh, VoiceAmerica.com radio network, the Influencers Channel. This is Dan Clark. Our guest is an extraordinary, extraordinarily successful entrepreneur by the name of Sam Taggart. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a moment. the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers i just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable dan clark was the keynote speaker he is clearly the most interesting man in the world he's been into space he reminded us to think bigger he's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books and he inspired all of us to make our lives matter He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. 
My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back, gang. And uh, my guest here is Sam Taggart, who's an extraordinary entrepreneur. And he's CEO of D2D, host of D2D Con, which is the first ever summit bringing together all of the experts, all of the leadership from all of the organizations who specialize in door-to-door sales, pest control, solar, security, the list goes on and on. And Sam Taggart has emerged as the leader in this industry to galvanize the leadership training and sales training required to help every single one of these sales professionals take themselves to the next level. Kind of cool. So, Sam, as we went to break, I asked you a question. You obviously have learned how to separate the person from the performance and deal with the rejection and apply it to your everyday life. But most likely, you learned that through knocking on doors. Let's just philosophize for a moment. Teach us how you think you can teach your children, teach fellow uh, human beings teach colleagues and friends how to cultivate and acquire this attitude of resiliency without having to knock on doors. I think there's a few things that come to mind, and I think this is a, a I mean, it's, it's, it's critical. It's like paramount that people teach the youth because if we don't, I don't know what our country will be like in 10, 10 20 years. But I think the main two principles that came to my mind is one, put your kids in situations where they lose. So I think a lot of times, you know, like I'm teaching my daughter how to ski. For example, we went up to Park City the other day and, you know, she just fearless, puts her ski straight. She's three and just goes. And I, you know, she fell over and my initial reaction was like, Oh darn, you fell. And I, and, but then I I responded in a different way that I felt was really important. And I said, it's okay to fall. You will always fall skiing. I fall. And, you know, and I, like, even at such a young age, I was just like, I need her to fall. And I want her to get hurt. And I want her to say, darn. And I want her to get back on her skis and be like, let's keep going. 
And so I think sports and, co- and competitive environments is also critical. Like, you know, putting your kids in, in, in a place where it isn't we all win and life, you know, and, and almost being an advocate of, no, they won, we lost, and we need to teach our kids we lost and say, how does that feel? Like, deal with it. Let's, 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 let's like, embrace that, and hopefully we win the next one, and what do we need to change to win the next one? Yeah, and the, the, the parents and coaches who say it's not, it's not whether you're win or lose that counts. Well, it's not. Winning and losing doesn't matter until you lose. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Which means what, what you were saying about teaching your daughter skiing. Failure, if you're, not, if you're not pushing yourself, if you're not failing a few times, it means you're not pushing yourself hard enough. So, like, I love what you said. It's okay to fail. Your word hurt seemed to be a little harsh where you said, yeah, I want her to hurt. Well, let's just clarify that. We've all yeah, been trained. Hurt, we've all yeah, been taught sure. to believe. We've all been taught to believe no pain, no gain. Well, really, it's no heart, no chance. And so yeah. as an athlete, I learned there's a difference between pain and injury. You don't want anybody to get injured. You don't want your daughter to get injured. We don't expect our players as coaches to play when they're injured. But we expect everybody to move forward through pain. Pain is a signal to grow, not to suffer. Once we learn the lesson the pain teaches us, the pain goes away. So in life, there's no mistakes, only lessons. So yeah, you want your daughter to hurt, but you don't want her to be injured. Clarified. Exactly. Is that cool? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that, and super important. And I think, I think a lot of times, our, as parents, you enable, you enable by basically saying, Oh, I'll do that. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. The easy route as a parent is to do things for your kids. The easy route is, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just figure it out. I'll fix it. And that basically is enabling the failure, the, the grind, the, the challenging aspect that for a three-year-old to figure out something is much longer and slow and annoying. You know, we're teaching, we just bought her a little vacuum and it's like, no, you got to vacuum the whole, the whole downstairs. And she's like, this is fun. We turn it into like a game. But she gets, she gets like halfway through and she's like, I'm tired. I want to go play. And that's like, no, like it's hard now, but you got to keep going. It's, it's don't enable them to be like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, go play. It's like, no, we made an agreement to finish this room. Let's finish that. And, and not enabling it. the, you know, not enabling them to just give up. I love it. Okay, so you have the ABCs of closing. Let's start spilling yeah. the beans on my radio show. So, There's an art and a science to knocking doors, and we all know, and I've brought this up many times in previous shows, that the definition of sales is the transference of trust, and no one likes to be sold, but everybody likes to buy from champions whom they trust. So spill the beans. What are some of your, (coughs) excuse me, secrets of closing the sale? Yeah, great question. We actually just sold our first 200 copies at the show that I'm at in New Orleans right now. It's been a big hit. I had a guy already read it yesterday, and he was like, I just stayed up all night. I was diving into it, and I was like, wow, I've never read a book in a day. Good job. So <laughs> um, what's, the name, what's the name of the book, and how do we get it? Let's interrupt it's, right now. It's on, so it's on d2du.com, and you can order it there. Um, it's, you know, up and available for sale now. We, um yeah, go get it. It's uh, called the ABCs of closing. And really, it's double meaning, meaning ABCs is always be closing. We've heard that. And then the ABCs, it's really the fundamentals. 
And it also is A, assumption close, B, bandwagon close, C, competition close, D, discount close. It just goes through the entire alphabet. There's over 26 closes with some bonus closes on things that are applicable, especially in door-to-door, but also sales or sales, right? It's a transfer of trust. And we talk a lot about what do you do to create urgency, to create, you know, a buying scenario so that you're you're in the best possible position to close. Because I don't care what you do, sales is what creates revenue, right? And whether you're selling them door-to-door or with a phone, in person, however it is. And, you know, some of the main key takeaways that, you know, a lot of people that have read it so far have really liked is just the ability to tie people down with soft closes, letting them buy. So when you said it's a transfer of trust and people don't like to be sold, they like to buy, it's as a salesperson... It's your ability and your job to give them the torch to buy and lead them into a buying decision. And a lot of times what we fail to do is that, and, and we just present, we talk about the benefits, or we talk about the features, we talk about the features, and we tell them how cool it is, and we tell them, you know, the company's amazing, we tell them it's a good deal, but that doesn't put them in a buying situation. And so I like to use a lot, a lot of questions, and so through the book, I go through ask this question, ask this question, try this question out. And it creates a tie down. And I use the analogy of like, I can go dig a hole and push you in it, or I can just pass you the shovel and let you dig. And it, you know, it's not like we're trying to push people in a bad hole. It's just, it, it's here, you dig here. Wait, you're going to try to give me the shovel. Let me give it back to you. And what I mean by that is when somebody's like, how much is it? Well, this is just a simple one. Well, how much is it? Well, I'll get to that, but first off, like if you were to look at this and this and this value and this product and this product, how much do you think somebody would have to pay for that? All of a sudden, I don't know, like $500. And you're like, yeah, normally it'd be about that. And so you let them create the value. And I'm like, here, here's your shovel. You, you tell me how much you think it is. And guess what? Today it's only 250 And so for only 250 bucks, you can get XYZ. And by just simply reversing it and putting the, sh- you know, giving them control to buy, then it, it, it builds an automatic trust because then you don't come off as this like, let me shove it down your throat and make you buy because nobody, nobody has a pleasant experience having a transaction in that form. Absolutely. Uh, so, so, so what you're saying is that if money becomes the topic of conversation, it means the presentation is weak and the relationship is non-existent. Do you agree? Yeah. Exactly. Like there should be, it's like a, it should just be a natural, smooth process from start to finish. You know, it shouldn't be this like, all right, let's just talk about money, money, money. And, oh, let's just sit here in this negotiation battle. It should be more like, no, all the negotiation was done by me overcoming your objections throughout the presentation prior prior to you even bringing them up, asking the right questions to find your needs and your, like what you're really looking for. A lot of salespeople fail to really cater their presentation to the customer. They just kind of give the same presentation over and over again. Yeah. And then by the time you bring up price, it's kind of like, well, obviously this all makes sense, right? So you then, differentiate like, you differentiate but, price and cost. It's like the mechanic on television commercial, buy an oil filter and get your oil changed now or buy a brand new engine later, you either pay me now or pay me later. So price is a one-time thing, but a cost could linger for a lifetime. So you're trying to get these people to tell you or agree with you, even at the door, 
that the price that they pay now is a better deal than the cost they will pay if someone breaks into their home or the cost Amen. they will pay if the termites come in and infest their basement, blah, 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 right? Yep, yep. Like you always want to say, what's the cost of you not doing this? And oh, if you wow. can associate, for me, it's, it's creating a big enough problem around that cost of them not doing it and creating enough pain associated with that. So it's like, there is a massive problem, whether you see it or you don't. My job is to help you change your perspective to see that problem. And then there's some serious pain that you maybe haven't been feeling until I'm about to bring it up and help you feel the pain of that problem. And guess what? I got a solution. So teach us as we, we've got about four minutes before we go to another commercial break. I, wanted, I want you to talk about social proof, how significant it is for you to have that first sale on a street, that first sale in the neighborhood, and do you do the due diligence? Do you snoop around? Do you figure out who are the most influential people or the most influential person or couple on the street, knowing that once you get them to buy, everybody else will follow suit because they are kind of the most influential or most respected and honest people on the street? So I, I was the master of this. I don't think there's anyone that's done it better. And I would particularly pick the markets that I would sell in solely because of that. And what I mean by that is I'd sell in West Texas with towns of a thousand people that have had no turnover. It's literally the same people that have been there for hundreds of years. So everybody and their dog knows each other simply because I found a specific tactic, which was creating, you know, some visibility and connection and, and name dropping and, and this bandwagon effect is what I call it in my book. So B is the bandwagon close. And what I would do is I would knock the nicest neighborhoods first. And it's always the first guys that are the hardest sales, right? It's like, I remember this town in West Texas called Perryton. And the first sale I got was the doctor. is the town physician. And, you know, I'm like, Dr. Man, still remember it. I was like, Dr. Man did it. And then the next door neighbor, the next door neighbor, the next door neighbor. My biggest week ever was 29 alarms in a week. And I, um, I, I did it that week because it was like, did the doctor? And then I did the, the city attorney. And then I did... Uh, the chief of police, and they were all on the same street. Because all the influencers lived on the same street. And then I went through the rest of the town, and it was just like, well, yeah, if these guys did it, don't you think I'm doing something legit? And they're like, well, yeah, if you did. I'm, so, okay, so obviously I'm not doing anything crazy. This is one of my lines. Obviously I'm not doing anything crazy, so hear me out. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, okay. And instantly they will listen to you much longer than if you just knock, and you're like, hi, I'm Sam, I'm with blah, blah, blah. It's my first door, my initial door approach. This is like my first five seconds of my door. It goes like this. I knock and I'm like, hey, are you the homeowner? Cool. Who do you know on this list? And then I hand them a list. That's my approach. And they're like, oh, I know that person, that person, that person, that person. That. And they're like, oh, how do you know them? Cool. Oh, so you work with them at the plant? Oh, cool. And you're a school teacher with Janet? Cool. And then I'm like, so all these people have done what I'm doing. So obviously I'm not doing anything crazy. Hear me out. And then I go into my pitch. I don't That's care funny. what you're selling. That approach would be amazing. And so with my twisted sense of humor, I immediately thought, here, do you know anybody on this list? And you got Obama, you got Mitt Romney, <laughs> you, you got Bill Gates, you got names that they definitely will agree with. And you're like, cool. <laughs> That's yeah. sick. So as we go to break here, brother, let's talk about the negative side of what the perception is of a door-to-door salesman. There's always Ooh, I love that. one 
one police officer who ignites the Black Lives Matter movement and showcases another two or three or five or seven or ten police officers who are 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 bad apples who are or who yep. are corrupt who who were so pathetically bad and they were caught on video but still there's got to be 95 96 99% of police officers who are who are law abiding citizens good family men who are community activists and yet that one or two or 10 that showcased how brutal some police officers usurp their authority or misuse their their power ruins it for everybody that happens in every industry we know that but let's talk about your industry for one second and then we'll go to another commercial break what i want you to answer what is the what is the toughest obstacle or black guy negative comment that you know is permeating around the country or in certain communities about the door-to-door sales, summer sales force that comes into our communities every year. Just identify what it is. We'll go to commercial break, and then we'll come back with the answer. What is it, bro? I think it's just it's a scam. Like, whatever we're selling, it's, we're scamming people. And I think people just initially think we're there to, like, scam them versus offer a really valuable service. Because most of the time, you can get a better deal through a door-to-door person than if you call in. And a lot of times... They're way easier to work with. They'll throw in extra bonuses. You can milk them. They're there trying to earn your business. But I think most people think, oh, these guys are here scamming me out of money and that they're they're not legit. They're out of jail. They're tatted up. I mean, they're the scum of the earth, sleazy, you know, snake oil salespeople. But the reality is most of them are family men that have great lives. And we'll go into that after the break. But I think like, yeah. I just think people think we're scamming them. Because we happen to be knocking on their door, and it's like, that's not, a, that's not an honorable way to, to do business. If I want something, I'll go buy it myself. Like, uh, okay. Like, well, the guy at Best Buy approaches you about a phone. Is that an honorable way for him to approach you about getting a different phone? Like, I mean, I, it, it's just, it, we're not scamming you. We're just taking the initiative and being proactive about bringing a service to you that you probably could benefit from. That's so good. So this is... Yeah. Keep going. What, were you saying some things? What? Oh, no, no. Yeah, we'll go to break and we can jam on that. All right. I just... Well, I was just going to do a little station ID. This is the uh, VoiceAmerica.com radio network influencers channel. You're here with Dan Clark. My guest is Sam Taggart, one of the extraordinary entrepreneurs and young businessmen in the country who has specialized in figuring out the most profitable way and effective, efficient way to sell something products and services door to door as we go to commercial break think about the definition of sales again it's the transference of trust and if people knock on your door and you think they're scamming you obviously the number one objection that these door-to-door sales professionals have to overcome is creating an environment where we do trust them and legitimize what they are doing And that's what we're going to pick up as soon as we come back from the break. Again, this is Dan Clark. You're on the air listening with Sam Taggart, an amazing young man. Let's go to commercial break, and we'll be back in just a bit. Hear the stories. 
Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. And to close out this first segment with uh, my amazing guest, Sam Taggart, I posed one final question that I let Sam think about during the break that I wanted to to let you listeners uh, incubate or or let it percolate until we came back. So the question, Sam, is because the definition of sales is the transference of trust, what is the quickest way in the fewest amount of seconds to gain someone's trust, which will obviously help us in personal relationships when we meet someone and we want to, to we want them to trust us so that they'll allow us to you know get closer, invite them to go get some froyo, have a second date, whatever the case may be. I really believe you have some wisdom on how we can strengthen our ability to meet people, to network at the highest levels, to influence the affluent. Give us your take, brother. Yeah, really good question. Um, so the, the, the principle of building a bridge. So when two people meet, one's in one tribe and the other's in the other tribe. If you can find a common tribe, now you're in the same, you know, you can find a common, a common ground, then you're all of a sudden in the same tribe. So think of it as a sports game. Nobody knows each other, but everybody trusts each other at the sports game. We're all youth fans, or we're all whatever fans, right? So you're sitting there, and you just could randomly talk to the guy sitting behind you because it's like we're all voting for the same sports team right now. And so you're in the same tribe because there's common ground. So whatever you do, it's like you need to know what is that person's interest 
what tribe are they in and how do I enter into that tribe? Or how do I find a tribe that we both like? For example, you and I, I was like, hey, you know my dad, my uncle, my father-in-law, my this. You know so many people I know, so automatically friends, right? So it's like we found a common ground. Or if it's like, hey, we both love football. Cool. I could talk your ear off on football for a while. But, you know, I need to be versed and have knowledge on so many different things. And that was one of the books you actually recommended on our podcast was, you know, it kind of just taught you on, I'm universally able to talk on medical. I'm able to talk on politics a little bit. Just I know a little bit about a lot of things. So it's like, nice. Let's talk about that because that's what you're really interested in. So I can at least have an educated conversation about your tribe and enter into that. So I think building a bridge and finding that common ground automatically makes you friends. And then like we talked about the, you know, before was the bandwagon. And, and if maybe you're outside, you're like, I cannot find anything that is common. Well, guess what? One of my really close friends or my last client or my cousin or whoever is part of your tribe, and I know him, therefore, through association, I could maybe be part of your tribe, even though I know nothing about it. <laughs> so I love it. I, That's I think, so profound. You know, those two things. Well, and that leads perfectly into my next guest. So, Sam, I'm going to let you go. I know you're at a big convention as a speaker, as an author down there in New Orleans. Congratulations on your the release of your new book. What's it called again, and how do we get it? So d2du.com, and it is called The ABCs of Closing. And it's a great book. It's just a simple, practical, like, let me give you the lines, like the actual things to say versus the principles. It's all principles, but it's like, here, here's some lines. Try these out. Um, I really tried to make it very simple and user-friendly so that people can boost their sales and influence, and it could apply to any sales job. So. Thanks. So my guest has been Sam Taggart. That's T as in Tom, A-G-G-A-R-T. And uh, I'm going to be on his platform of this huge convention summit event that you've produced and are putting on this coming Friday. So anybody within the sound of my voice who wants to fly into Salt Lake City, Utah to partake of speakers and, and workshops on door-to-door selling, on direct sales, uh, we've got some extraordinary folks there. It's a pleasure and an honor for me to be one of your keynote speakers there, Sam. Thanks for thinking of me. And let's just say goodbye. You go dazzle your folks. I know you got to speak at four, but let's talk off the air. I love you. I honor you. I love your family. You know that. And it's been a great, uh, great privilege to have you on my show. I just wish everybody, I want everybody to go to voiceamerica.com. And when you pull up this particular show, you'll see the photograph of Sam Taggart. So you know he's a young man who's been able to just use the, the quality uh, the qualities and attributes and character traits that he is so famous for. And I love you, brother. Thanks for spending time with me. Thanks a ton, Dan. You guys are awesome. Okay, we'll talk later on. Don't go anywhere, my next guest. We're not going to commercial break. My next guest ties right into how we ended our our interview with Sam Taggart. His name is Robbie Borders. And when Sam said, "How how do we create as quickly as possible, how do we create the transference of trust? And the idea is to find common ground. The idea is to find what we have in common. And in my experience as a speaker, when we watch companies and organizations continuously bring in speakers to talk about cultural diversity, we understand their motive. 
But whenever I'm asked to speak about cultural diversity, I always ask their permission if I can talk about cultural commonality. Instead of talking about the things that make us different, what would happen to our world? What would happen to our workplace? What would our, happen to our neighborhoods and our relationships if we only focused in on what we have in common, cultural commonality? The same God who made you made me too. And so one of the common grounds that is so easily found that com- connects humanity is service before self and an opportunity to change our attitude from judging others based on what they look like to judging them based on the content of their character and the the, 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 the genuineness of their heart. We just celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and that was one of his most famous um, colloquialisms. I can't even say it right. One of his most famous statements from that I Have a Dream speech in 1963 from the Lincoln Memorial. His dream and all of our dreams must be, let's judge someone not on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. And Robbie Borders, my next guest, is one of the finest young men I have ever met, one of the most inspirational human beings on our planet, who not only is strong in his own skin, comfortable in his own skin, but he is so bold and so courageous to share his attitude and his vision of happiness and his ability to make people smile with the rest of the world. Robbie Borders was born with a disability that gave him two toes on each foot and no middle finger on each hand. He was bullied a lot because of his disability. It, has got, it, it, it got worse throughout his school career. He went to camp and sat alone. A kid came up to Robbie uh, uh, one day and said, let's chat. And they talked about life. He told Robbie, no matter what he is going through, all you need to do is smile because you are beautiful. When was the last time you told that to a stranger, ladies and gentlemen, and what impact could you have? Four years ago, this young man committed suicide. The individual who came up to Robbie and said, hey, it's not so bad. You got to smile. Whoa. Robbie decided to make a change like this young man had done for him. And after he got out of school at noon, Robbie went out and held a sign that said, smile, you are beautiful for nine hours every single day. No matter what you were going through, all you need to do is smile because you are beautiful. I wish so badly you could meet this young man in person. My dream for you, ladies and gentlemen, is to have that option. But for right now, because you're on voiceamerica.com, the Influencers Channel, it's my pleasure, my honor uh, to invite Robbie Borders onto my show so that he can inspire all of you as he has inspired me. We first met on a telephone call as a reference and an introduction from one of our mutual friends. And then wouldn't you know it, at a New Year's Eve party, he's invited by one of my celebrity friends to his home and uh, we we became reacquainted there again, and I finally got to meet him, shake his hand, 
look into his eyes, see his genuine smile, and uh, and and connect in a way where he willingly said, "Ah, Dan, I'll be on your show. Let me see how I can influence your listeners, ladies and gentlemen." Robbie Borders, welcome, brother. How are you? Thanks for having me. Man, it's good to have you on the show. You were my guest a couple of weeks ago, and then I had to be called out of town, kind of an emergency where I put this interview, this opportunity on hold. Thank you so much for accepting it again. Let's get right to it, Robbie. Tell us a little bit about your life. A little bit about my life. It has been a long journey, been really tough, really hard to make friends, to be able to do something with other people without being scared. How old are you right now? I am 21. Wow. Keep going. And uh, my first thought of suicide was at the age of five and that was really hard that it was my first thought at the age of the youngest of all because they keep getting bullied but it's just been a long hard long journey to see where everything else can go to so when you say bullied, let's just not use that as a noun. Let's use that as a verb. Describe in the ways in, the ways in which you were bullied as a fi- as a five year old. What do you recall? I remembered kids telling me to go kill myself. That I'm retarded. I'm stupid. I should go hate myself more. I should never come back to school. I should never have anybody want to be friends with me. I always got pushed into the lockers. I always got hated. I always got pushed down to the ground. I just felt like I was invisible. What do you think, why do you think people bully? What causes some, some other human being to want to put you down to make themselves feel better about who they are? What do you think's going on in their life? I believe that they are having some troubles with their lives and they want to put it out on someone else's and they want to become a popular person in the future so they can put more people down. Wow. So when did it turn around for you when this young man said, hey, smile, it's not so bad, you got to smile? Or uh, did, it, did it get worse after age five? You said that was your first thought of, of, of completing your suicide, of taking your life. And then what happened after age five? Uh, as I got older, it did get a lot worse. That that has become more bigger as uh, one of my biggest bully brought a knife to school a few times to try to kill me, which was very scary for me. And I got threatened to get uh, raped, which is also really scary to hear that and have him say it to my face. But it just got worse. Name started to get hurt more and everything just started to come come downhill as I got older. 
So was this in Park City, Utah, where you were bullied? Is this where you grew up? Yes. Well, for those of you who have never visited our amazing mountains and ski resorts, Park City is usually home of the affluent. It's a different mindset where you have kind of a uh, a laissez-faire attitude, which I would think is more accepting, more more kickback chill but what you're saying is oh no there are bullies in every one of our communities in every one of our schools there are insecure people who believe they have to put others down to make themselves better feel better about who they are right yeah so teach us what do you do what do you what would you say to them if we could line up every single bully that ever bullied you and you had some time in front of them where they would not interrupt you, what would you say to them? Well, the first, well, I actually done this before. I've done this through a couple test messages and online, and I did a YouTube video about this, and I told them that I forgive them. Because... If they didn't put me through this in the past, I would not know what to do in the future because I, I didn't learn all those. But I, now I realize in the past that it has helped me let up to become stronger, better, and I just would say thank you and I forgive them. But there's some... There's some questions I would ask, like, why did you specifically choose me? Why would you do bully a kid to become popular? So. And what did they say? Um, that was a shock for them. They were surprised that I told them that I forgive them. And they just wanted to thank me for doing all that. And they said that they want to start all over, become friends to see where that leads up to. And we did. And now we're one of the greatest friends that we have ever had for each other. And we're always there for each other now. As one of your former bullies. Yep. Wow. What a great lesson in repentance, forgiveness, you know, moving on. So let's talk about, about this friend that came out of the woodwork who basically said, you know, smile, you're a beautiful. What, what was his life like and how did it end in suicide when he was such a positive influence in your life? Um, I don't know the entire story of his life, but I remember part of it that he was bullied because he was a different color than anybody else. And he was in a different family that was white and he was black. So he got bullied a lot because of that. And I remember that when he was little, he wore glasses a lot and he had braces. So he got bullied because of that a lot. But as he got older, it came a little more difficult for him, but he lived a pretty happy life. But as I know, he grew older, he knew what love was, 
he became popular. He had friends. He made music. All these bands that want him to come over to teach him songs and all that. So it was pretty good to see him all happy. And then him living life and helping me to do all that. So why do you think he decided to complete his suicide? I believe that he wasn't showing his inside of where he was trapped inside the darkness. I believe that he was going through something that he didn't really tell everybody about. So... You know, one of the songs I've written, uh, the lyrical hook is in two more days, tomorrow's yesterday. So obviously, no matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future. What would you say to anyone who's listening to this show today who has been thinking about hurting themselves or taking their life, giving up because they don't believe that tomorrow's going to be better than today? What I would tell everybody that's listening is that there's three things that I always tell myself that keeps me moving is there's going to be lessons, mistakes, and memories. Each day is going to be one of those three. And sometimes it may be more, but you got to keep pushing through and there's always going to have someone who's having the worst day than you. So, for example, you lost your keys in a car. Well, someone could have lost their car because they wasn't able to, to afford it. So, usually, there's a lot of people around the world who's having the worst day than you. You gotta keep pushing through because if you pursue, then people will see that you're trying your hardest, you're pushing through one of the tough times in your life, and you got to keep seeing the light ahead into the future. Wow. So tell us about this story where you made the sign, smile, you are beautiful. There's a picture on my my voiceamerica.com influencers channel. Uh, everybody can see your big old smile, brother, standing out there on the street holding that sign. Tell us about the sign. Where were you standing for nine hours, and what response were you getting from people who were driving or walking by? So I was standing on the corner of 224 heading to Park City. I was standing on the side of the Canyons Resort Village, and a lot of people's response was different. You see people who would honk, smile. There'll be people who would pass by and they try not to smile, but they always do. There'll be some people who would just drive, get angry and then flip you off and then keep driving. But there's this one specific person that really kept me going was a seven-year-old kid who told his mom he wanted to give me a hot chocolate because on that day, 
it was only 15 degrees. So it was really cold out there, and he wanted to buy me a hot chocolate. So he did, and his mom pulled over, and he said, thank you for making my day better, and he gave me a hot chocolate. So I think that was a good day for me to keep, keep thinking, to keep going. And why did you decide nine hours? Why wasn't one hour enough? Why wasn't four hours enough? Nine hours was pretty long to me. The first time I did it, it was during Sundance. And just people just walk up and down constantly. And I want I wanted to leave because it was so cold. But I just kept telling myself, what if there's someone who needs it? What if there's someone who needs the help? So I told myself, do it for nine hours, then you go home. It's just like a work day that everyone does. Wow. So Sundance is going on right now. Are you tempted to make a new sign and going back out and save the world? Actually, I actually did it this morning. I actually did it until I came on here. And then when I'm done with that, I'm going to go back out again. Wow. And where are you standing? I'm standing in Kemple Junction on the 224 heading into Park City. I love it. That's where you get off of I-80. You turn right and head towards the mountain resorts. For anyone who's in Utah listening to this this radio show, which I have a lot of followers here, this would be an awesome opportunity for you to go buy Robbie Borders a cup of hot chocolate, smile, honk, and maybe take a, a, a leaf out of your book, brother, and make our own signs. Uh, we need to go to a commercial break right now. I want to come back with our guest, Robbie Borders. And uh, for those of you who just barely tuned in, perhaps, Robbie Borders was born with a disability, which I call a different ability, that gave him two toes on each foot and no middle finger on each hand. And consequently, insecure folks who aren't appreciative of diversity, strength and diversity, and make fun of people who are different than themselves, ended up bullying Robbie most of his life, but yet he's emerged as this strong, vibrant, giant-smiled young man at 21 years of age, who truly has touched my heart. When you came to our New Year's Eve party, brother, you stole the show. You brought so much energy, so much love into into the home there in Park City. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. You need to hear the rest of Robbie's story. This is Dan Clark, VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. Let's go to a commercial break. As I said, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a moment. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. 
He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. My guest is Robbie Borders. What a fine young man. 21 years of age who has battled being bullied his whole life with a different ability, insecure people trying to take him out, trying to threaten his life. He's been threatened with rape, with everything you can imagine, and yet as as a resilient, young, positive man, he emerged stronger than ever. And before we took the commercial break, ladies and gentlemen, Robbie basically shared that he is almost grateful that he had so many obstacles and such a tough road to hoe, such a tough road to travel as a young man because it's made him who he is today, which is one of the most extraordinary young men I've ever met. Robbie, talk to us. So you were how old when you made your your sign, smile, you are beautiful, and stood on the side of a road for nine hours trying to f- fire people up? How old were you? were you then? I was 17 years old. And it says in your bio that you did it every single day for how many days in a row? I did it every single day during my high school, which I was a junior back then. So I did it every single day until my last day of high school when I was a senior. Did anyone ever reach out to you and say, you know, I was contemplating suicide. I was in a really dark place and I... And I saw you standing there with your smile. I saw you confidently weathering the cold to help me feel better about myself. Has anyone ever thanked you for that? Yes, I actually had a, a lot of people do that. I actually had an officer up our city who thanked me for that. And he pulled me over, which I was scared, of course. 
but he told me that the suicide rates in Park City went down 3% because of me. Oh, wow. Wow. So that okay. changed my life when saying that I dropped down 3%. And well, this gentleman comes up to me and he lost his son to suicide. And he did the exact same message. He t- when he was having a bad day, he would go to someone else who's having a bad day and give them a note saying, smile, you are beautiful. And so he feels like that I am a message from his son from above saying that he's making a difference with other people's lives. Wow. Is that your encouragement to all of our listeners today? Yes. This, what I will also say is everyone would always go through a hard time, no matter how big it is. And I always tell, tell myself, life is going to be hard, but at the end, it's going to give you a relax of everything that you have gone through in the past and in the future, you can be able to do something that makes you say, I've been through this. Let me help you. Well, you know, with all due respect to what you've gone through, what I've gone through is it pales in comparison to what you have had to endure. So in no way do I want to diminish your significance and your amazing strength. But um, my listeners know that I played football for 13 years and I was paralyzed in a tackling drill. I was stayed paralyzed for 14 months. I went to 16 of the best doctors in North America and every one of them told me I would never get any better. And what happens when you believe that? Obviously, you never get any better. And now that I've recovered, I'm asked the oddest question, Clark, what took you so long? (laughs) In other words, if you're going to change, if you're going to pull your head out, if you're going to go from negative to positive, if you're going to get back up and go again, what's holding you back? Why can't you do it right now? And I really believe that the reason why I stayed paralyzed for 14 months was because I was asking the wrong questions. I was asking the doctors how to get better when I should have been asking myself why. Why should I endure the pain of rehab? Why should I keep getting back up and going again? Why? And once we answer why, figuring out the how-to becomes clear and simple, never easy. But if it was easy, everybody would do it. The heart is what makes it great. And what you're teaching us, Robbie, is that we need to be willing to, to do hard things. And so where I really resonate with your story, brother, is that my football injury clearly becomes one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I don't want anyone to misunderstand us. My accident, my injury, my paralyzing injury that cut short my career is not one of the best things that ever happened to me. But who I became as a man and what I learned about resiliency and priorities and about life as a result of going through the setback clearly makes it one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Is that what you're teaching us, brother? Yeah, it's definitely what I'm teaching you guys. Okay, so how how would you teach us School is tutorous, Robbie. How can we learn what you've learned without having to go through the brutal bullying that you experienced? That's a really good question. What, what I, in my past, I didn't really have anyone there for me. I had a few friends, but they 
I've always been busy. So what I usually tell people is go find someone who can be there for you, talk wise, listen wise, and just be there for you. Because I didn't really have that. But sometimes if you can't find anybody, then go to a family member or someone that you can trust, even if it's like teachers, principal, a police officer, anything that you can trust. Go talk to them. Go share. Because that's what everyone are here for, to listen, to help, to support. If no one has ever done that, then it's our, everyone's lives is going to be more miserable because no one has someone there for them. Very, so I would encur- encourage you guys that are listening to go find someone or help find someone that can help you or them going through a hard time. So they're not stuck inside themselves and not stand up for what they are. So well said. My guest is Robbie Borders. He was born with a different ability. Is that okay if I describe that like that, brother? Oh, of course. That Robbie Borders was born with a different ability that gave him two toes on each foot and no middle finger on each hand. So he was bullied most of his life. But because you were resilient, because you had one or two key people come into your life at the right time, they inspired you to get back up and go again. Is there a website? Is there an email address? Is there some way I can encourage our listeners to join your tribe and support you and let you influence their lives as you've influenced mine as we first met on the phone and as we met at the New Year's Eve party? Yeah, so there's three things that I would encourage people to do. The first thing is uh, make a positive thing in your community no no matter where you are. Leave a note for someone that you don't know. Make a positive note card to pass out to people saying you are loved, you are cared for, or something positive. And then the second thing is I have a website, Smile for Devin. It's E-S-M-I-L-E-F-O-R for Devin, D-E-V-I-N.com. So if you go to smileforDevin.com, all my YouTube videos will be up there. You can sign up for email so you're able to follow a newsletter to see what else is happening. And then the last thing is I have created a GoFundMe for Smile, Smile, You Are Beautiful. So I'm able to get uh, uh, YouTube running up. I'm able to get uh, some dog cats, t-shirts. I'm able to make a positive impact on other people in our communities. And... Uh, a way to start the nonprofit to get that up running, to be able to go bigger and better around the U.S., maybe even international. Well, that is so amazing, and I encourage every listener to 
to do exactly what you say. Write a personal note. Email, text. This just has no emotion. It has no personal touch. I challenge all of you to follow our inspiring guest, Robbie Borders Challenge, to write a note in your handwriting maybe once a day and just give it to someone, a friend, a colleague, a family member uh, that doesn't have to be long, just I'm thinking of you or thanks for the difference you've made in my life or wow, you've inspired me. Thank you so much, Robbie Borders. I love you. I honor you. I can't wait to hang out again. You're one of the fine young men and inspiring individuals on our planet. So uh, God bless and go make a difference at the Sundance Film Festival again, brother. Oh, I will. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Thanks, brother. You have a great day. Don't go anywhere. My next guest, we're not going to go to a commercial break because time is of the essence. My next guest is a frequent guest on my show. And I've met so many songwriters, and I sure hope all of my songwriting buddies are continuously tuning in so that they know when I say that Monty Powell is my favorite. Monty Powell is the Powell is the living legend. They can all kind of uh, you know bite the wall and say, Clark, I need to suck up a little bit more apparently because you just keep putting Monty Powell on a shelf so high, no one else can even jump to grab it. Monty is easily found on any one of the 60 million plus records floating around containing one of his songs. As a music business veteran of 35 years, my dear friend Monty Powell has successfully honed his songwriting craft and found his niche as a songwriter who often collaborates with the biggest superstars on the planet, including Keith Urban, Lady Antebellum, Rascal Flatts, Tim McGraw, Brooks and Dunn, Chris Cagle, James Otto, Jody Messina, Chuck Wicks, Diamond Rio, and many, many more. I want to get right to the interview, Monty, but coming in on the on the coattails of Robbie Border's interview, I think what everybody needs to know is that in every community wherein Monty has lived, which includes Nashville, which includes Utah, the mountains of Utah, and he frequents as a as a guest, as a tourist, as a homeowner, as a fisherman, as a lover of the water and the beaches of the state of Florida. You'll find Monty and his amazing Anna Wilson, his wife and his family in either one of those three places making a difference. The thing that I can say most about Monty Powell is that since I've met him all those years ago, his MO has always been give, 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 then perhaps take. Give, 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 then perhaps sell. Give, 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 serve, 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 and let's just see what happens. So as a songwriter, he is well known as the guy who basically understands that you can get anything in this life that you want if you're just willing to help enough other people get what they want. So Monty Powell, welcome to my show, brother. Thank you so much for coming back. Man, it's so good to be back. It's been a little it's been a little while. I'm so glad to hear your voice again. No, yes. Let's just get right to it. I know we're going to feature two of your songs, one with a a mutual friend, Chuck Wicks. I remember being in your home studio, this magnificent, amazing state-of-the-art studio that happened to be in your home there in Nashville, and meeting Chuck Wicks as you co-wrote and produced his album and launched his career. I know we're going to visit that 
that song that you and Anna had written and listened to his performance, I, I understand. But let's just get right to it. You were CSAC's Country Songwriter of the Year in 2009. You've re- re- received the prestigious CMA Triple Play Award in 2010 for penning three number one songs in the same year. But you got some things going that I want everybody to know about. Number one, your newest band that you created with your wife and fellow musicians called Troubadour 77. We'll get to that because the second song we'll feature today will be a tune from that that album called Drive. But let's just focus in on your ability to go into a corporate setting, an organizational setting, and use your songwriting skills and your your packaged um performance that you call song sessions to make a difference entertain and touch people's hearts all at the same time talk to us about song sessions talk to me about whatever the heck you want to talk about brother i'm here to help you i honor you well thanks dan song sessions which you can find at songsessions.com um for about 10 years now anna and i have been going and doing an hour to an hour and 15 minute keynote addresses at corporate retreats, uh, team building events, um, YPO meetings, anywhere where there's a group of folks that are gathered together that have a theme and a story that they're trying to communicate, not only necessarily out to the world, but between themselves. And the concept of your story, your group story, or your corporate story is so important, um, and really, no one knows how to tell a story better and quicker and more concise than a songwriter. Uh, so we spend our whole careers telling the biggest stories there are, life and love and death and peace and war, in these little three-and-a-half-minute vignettes, and and so we're we're just super equipped with this craft to be able to go in and quickly discern what the key concepts of the story are. And then we teach some tips and tricks that we actually use uh, day in and day out in, in, in Nashville and other places as we write. And with the group, in real time, in an hour and 15 minutes, which seems impossible, we write an original song with the group that embodies their message. And their, most of them have never written a song before. And the first time they ever co-write is with Grammy Award-winning songwriters. And they walk out the door humming their own corporate message and it's just been a a super uh win-win for us to be able to give back into the corporate world something that songwriters do and for them to be able to interact creatively with us in a in a chance that they really wouldn't get to if we didn't kind of create this program which is the most unique keynote experience that you could bring to any organization i highly recommend it so visualize this my friends monty grammy award-winning songwriter who's an extraordinary guitar player an extraordinary musician i can't even accentuate that enough his beautiful and talented songwriting superstar anna wilson on the piano you're on stage monty pick paint the picture so you interact with the audience you ask them questions and their answers help you write the song in real time explain that That's exactly right. Um, The first thing that we do is we break it down to one word, and we facilitate throughout the crowd. So it's interactive. We're up on the stage, and we've done this for as little as 12 people of uh, executives in a living room to 1,000 people uh, in an auditorium. 
and people are raising their hands and microphones are being passed around and things are being shouted out. And eventually we get what we call our image lexicon, which is just single words that the group feels like defines their message, their story, uh, their core things. And then from having those single words, we teach them how to unpack those words into images. So a thought becomes a word, a word becomes an image, because images is what we remember. Uh, If I say the word family, it just bounces off of you. But if I say all of us sitting around the table saying grace before the Thanksgiving meal, everyone immediately sees that image and they never forget it. So we teach thoughts into words, words into images, and then images into uh, lyric. And then you put the melody, which connects the head and the heart and allows them, as you said, to leave the event humming the tune and bragging on the fact that they actually experienced the process of triggering more passion, creativity, and imagination, and they will never be the same. It's so extraordinary what you do. So, it's, and it's so much fun. And it's, I'll tell you something, Dan, it's scary. <laughs> It, yeah. there's an, it's a, it's in real time. I mean, sometimes I love we it. suck. You no, know, you but don't. we always no. find a way around the roadblocks and get to that core message. And that's the thing that a songwriter really knows how to do. I mean, that's the gift that a professional songwriter really has. I mean, everyone knows what they want to say. Songwriters have taken the time to learn how to actually have the craft to get around those rocks that are in the middle of the stream and, and get there. So it's, uh, it's a really fun process. So it epitomizes who you are. You don't just go back and forth across the ski hill. You actually point your skis down the mountain and crash every once in a while. So I love it with all of your extraordinary financial and, and fame and fortune, fortune success. You still want to live on the edge, brother. You still want your heart to pitter-pat. You still want to go out on stage and let it all hang out. I love that. So, Absolutely. Tongue-in-cheek, what's one of the most amusing or the most difficult suggestions you've ever heard from an audience with some jerk trying to just stump you like, okay, write a song about this. Can you remember anything oh my, just crazy? Yeah. It, it, it happens. Uh, we, we wrote, we did a song sessions for Qualcomm, which is the huge chip maker or their chips are inside almost all of our uh cell phones uh and they're a technology company in san uh san diego and we literally had these scientific tech guys trying to tell us that because i always ask what's your work in the world right what's your work in the world and guys raising his hand we make chips. And he starts kind of rapping. We make chips. We make chips. We make chips that are also hip. And I'm like, you know, let me rephrase this. What, what's your good work in the world? Right? What's your good work? Why do you actually, in fact, get up in the morning and go to work? You know, what is the thing that you do that actually impacts the rest of the world positively? What's your good work? And we never heard another word from that guy. (laughs) But over in the corner was this quiet woman who really hadn't said much. And we found out later she almost never says anything. And she kind of raised her hand and I looked over to her and I said, yeah, 
And she goes, well, we make distance disappear. And you could have heard crickets. And we had our song because wow. it isn't about chips, right? It's about being able to get in touch with your 14-year-old daughter when you need to or someone being able to call 911 when it matters. And everyone in that room suddenly knew what their good work in the world was, and it was a song that led them to that. You got it. And there's, there's the message. That's the reason why you bring in Monty Palana Wilson with song sessions, because they're not just helping you write a song, but you're leaving with life lessons and and magnificent messages that will resonate and, and benefit you for a lifetime. Because we're under the gun, Monty, let's go right to the first song that we have queued up. It's called All I Ever Wanted. Teach us in the Bluebird Cafe, Spirit of Things. How did you write this song and then introduce Chuck Wicks? I understand we're playing his version of it on the MP3, correct? We are. This is a top 10 uh, song for Chuck. It was an ASCAP award-winning song for Anna and a CSAC award-winning song uh, for me. And for nearly a year, we worked with Chuck and developed his writing and developed his artistry. And this was just one of those things that kind of fell out. And I, I hope people don't feel badly about this, but I, I don't remember it taking us more than about 45 minutes to write this song. So it was one of those things where just the three of us sat down, we kind of looked at each other, started strumming guitars, and man, it just happened. And it, occasionally you get gifts like that. So maybe you'll hear the gift in the song when you hear it. I think you will. And without even talking about the meaning of the song, I listened to it before we came on the air because of our connection way back with Chuck together. Listen to the lyric based on the conversation we just had with Monty. Put it in the context of song sessions. Could he help you write a magnificent song in your corporate event? I say yes, he can. All I ever wanted, Chuck Wicks. Let's listen to this amazing song. All I ever wanted, all I ever wanted 
way you look tonight And maybe someday If a love comes our way We'll be walking in the meadow in the early spring You'll be twirling a sundress and wearing my ring Can you see it? A girl, I believe that it's true All I ever wanted, all I ever really Monty Powell, you're on VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. This is host Dan Clark. Monty Powell is a Grammy Award-winning songwriter with number ones Out the Kazoo. I could go on and on over his rich 35-year career in the music business. Monty has also held roles in artist management, help, helping you know superstars that you would recognize to country music stardom over his watch. Apart from songwriting, Monty Powell is also an accomplished music producer who's currently co-producing with his wife, Anna Wilson, and recording artist-songwriter, a project that highlights various country and pop and Americana artists as they reimagine the songs of one of the greatest songwriters of our time, the great Billy Joel. you got to look for that. It's called A Nashville State of Mind. But what I want to do is just focus in on one final project that Monty's engaged in that I just think is so extraordinary, which puts him on the map in a different way, creating his own band called Troubadour 77, which will lead us to the final song featured on this radio show. Monty, talk to us a little bit about why you created Troubadour Troubadour 77, what it's about, what your mission is. And then how we download your music, how we find you to hire you in song sessions, how we hire Troubadour 77, where we go to find you, and then we'll go right to the end of the hour by listening to the famous song, Troubadour 77's recording of Drive. Take it over, bro. Well, Troubadour 77 was born out of 30 years in the music business of facilitating other artists' careers and other artists' visions. And at 55 years old, um, I started a rock band because I thought it was time to facilitate my own artistic vision without having to feed the music machine beast. And um, it's been the best move that uh, I've ever made along with my wife, Anna. And we do have a very, very specific mission. Troubadour 77, the name comes from the old Troubadours of uh, English, 1977 was one of the greatest years of music. Hotel California, Fleetwood Mac, Peter Frampton, all the great singer-songwriters hit a high watermark in 1977 before disco kind of came in and took over. 
And our mission is to make music for baby boomers and Gen Xers who have absolutely no new music being made for them now. Music is hip-hop. Music is R&B. It's culturally different than what I grew up with. Messaging is not something that I even understand or align with. And I just got to the place where I wanted a band to play me a nice song that had a nice melody and had a meaningful lyric and a guitar solo every now and then that would live alongside the things in my classic rock playlist alongside the Eagles and alongside Jackson Brown and Linda Ronstadt and these folks because that music is really not being made much anymore. And we've got more baby boomers. There's 50 million of us out there. And we're all scratching our heads listening to the same five or six songs over and over again. And we can't decide whether we want to hear Stairway to Heaven again or shoot ourselves. So we're trying to really fill that gap and, and bring music to an underserved population where you can sit and listen and understand the lyrics and get the melody and have something that reaches you where you are in, in your life. So may I just throw out a marketing suggestion that I think could be on the on the on the on the on the forefront of everybody listening. How cool would that be if you're in an event planner or in a decision-making position to recommend that your organization bring in Monty and Anna in song sessions to teach us about passion, creativity, and imagination and messaging? And also on that tab, you bring in Troubadour 77 to actually play your banquet or to provide the entertainment and put your program up on the the highest marquee possible. I mean, what a cool idea, Monty. How do we find you? How do we get a hold of you to book Troubadour 77? And in my experience, most importantly, download your tunes. You'll find Troubadour 77 at troubadour77.com. You will find our music on iTunes and on Spotify and Pandora. And you will find our corporate song sessions at uh, songsessions.com and you can reach out directly to me and Anna. We would love nothing better in the world and I can tell you we have packaged Troubadour 77 and song sessions together and there's nothing cooler than writing a song with the group in the morning having Troubadour 77 play this fantastic show at night and we learn the show that we learn the song that afternoon and we play it right back for you as a full band so not only are you dancing to these of the songs and, and listening to these things from Troubadour 77, you hear the band play your corporate song right back to you. But it's songsessions.com is the best way to get to us. And we'd love to have some folks go download the Troubadour 77 uh, music at iTunes. And if you're, a, and if you're a, a C-suite person right now, if you're a CEO or someone who's in a decision-making process, think about the ego boost that would come your way if Monty could figure out a way to rhyme your name in the song, sometimes it's tough because he doesn't know what rhymes with stud muffin, hunk of burden love, but just think of the idea of your name as the CEO rhyming to the hook of the song that everyone will sing it in and out of your presence. Just saying. <laughs> okay, brother. Hey, if I can if, if I can rhyme summer and lover, we can figure it out. <laughs> I love it. Okay, brother, teach us about the background of this song, Drive, and because we have longer than the three minute and 40 second slot here to play the tune to to the final um, second of this show, take a moment and just teach us one thing 
that you've learned about passion, creativity, and imagination in your amazing career as a hit songwriter? How can we lay people who are not songwriters trigger more passion, creativity, and imagination in our lives without having to write a song to do it? Think in imagery. Think in word pictures. Stop thinking in words alone. Think in the pictures that words create. Just like I told you, instead of family, think about people sitting around the table together. And, you know, instead of just drive, which is the title of this song, think about all the imagery that you're going to hear in this song about the sun in your eyes so bright that you can, you can barely see it and the road so flat and long out there on the horizon that you have no idea what's out there or what's around the next curve. Because every one of those things has an analogy to our lives, and it's the imagery inside of songwriting that always makes people say the classic line, you said that in a way that I could never say it. So I encourage everyone to start upping the ante on the actual imagery that they use in their language. Practice it in your emails. Put it in your Instagram and Facebook posts. Be more visual in the words that you write and people are going to remember your message longer. All right. So let me have an add on question to that. So is there a difference? Can, can we actually think in, in terms of images and actually talk in, in terms of images Would that deepen our conversations and deepen our connection? Or is that kind of quirky? Is that kind of weird? Uh, you know, when I look into your eyes, all, all time stands still and boneheads like me would get it all confused and say your face could stop a clock and I get slapped and go, no, that's not what I was trying to say, but that's what came out. Is there some way that we can massage the language to become more eloquent in our speaking based on what you just taught us? You know, I think that there, I really do think that there is. Um, and that's we've really lost the art of poetry in conversation to the point where it, it almost feels alarming or stilted to you to think about it. But all you have to do is go back and watch um, the Ken, Ken Burns Civil War documentary and let them, as they read the letters that those young boys wrote back home, or go read just common everyday back and forth conversation and correspondence from the, say, the 19th century conversation back then had a poetic uh, sort of motion to it. And we've now distilled everything in the world, including politics, down to 140 characters in Twitter. So recapturing some of the flourish of poetry feels weird at first, but I guarantee you it, it pays dividends in terms of people remembering what you say and it having impact. All right, so let me get really personal, brother. You know how much I love and respect both of you and Anna, and we've known each other for so many years. You know what I'm going to say. My favorite song that you've ever written for anyone was the love song you wrote for Anna. And because yeah. we did not download it before this uh, this broadcast, and I'll have you back again and again, you know that. Take just a moment, so we still have you know the four minutes left to play Drive at the end of the show. But talk about the process of writing that magnificent, amazing song to your bride, your lover, uh, 
and and did you write a letter first? How did you take your feelings and put them in put them into lyrical poetry to create this magnificent love song that's really your heart to her heart? It's unbelievable. Actually, what's the name of the song? And I want everybody to go to iTunes right now and download that from your own personal album. What is it called? Yeah, the name of the song is "I Fell." I fell like I I fell in love. It's just the first two words. And it's and it's on iTunes right now under your your yep. the name of your CD or the one you released a while ago. Yeah, just search Monty Powell and it will come up. The name of the CD is 47 minutes of your time. And every every word every word and image in this song is true and actually happened. And everyone has stories that happen. You know, every everyone meets their partner in some place that becomes special to them. Um, everyone has the things that only inside of your coupleship that you know. And the songwriter's job, and I think at some level all of our job, is to go back and revisit those and paint them with a softer and more poetic brush. And instead of just say, uh, wasn't that a cool restaurant we met at? Be, be visual. Like, do you remember when we opened the door and your leg brushed past mine and we both ha- had this static shock happen? Wow. Those, t- all of everything that matters and everything that really makes us deeply inspired in life happens in those tiny little nanosecond moments. And so you go back and you recapture those and you write them out and you're going to be a lot closer to a song than you realize if you do nothing but just write them down. Holy cow, ladies and gentlemen, what an interview. And those of you who have been religiously following me all these these months on the air, you know Monty, this is the most extraordinary interview I've had with any songwriter. That doesn't surprise me. We've got to go to your song. This is Monty Powell, a Grammy Award-winning songwriter, an extraordinary human being. I honor you. I love you, bro. Let's go to Troubadour 77 performing their hit, Drive. And make sure you download Monty Powell's songs, Troubadour 77 songs on iTunes. And follow him and Anna Tribes. I, again, highly recommend that as a corporate event planner, you bring in song sessions and Troubadour 77 to put on an extraordinary, unforgettable one-day-and-one-night combination. Let's go to Drive, Monty. Thanks. I love you, brother, and we'll talk off the air soon. I love you, too.
being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.